The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Insights and Strategies with Barbara Lang. On the program today, Barbara and her guests will discuss the topics you want to hear more about, from business leadership to community and education. It all affects our bottom line. Now, here is your host, Barbara Lang. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Insights and Strategies where we will bring you thoughtful and provoking insight on a variety of business issues that impact you on a daily basis. I am pleased to be your host, Barbara Lang, Managing Principal and CEO of Lang Strategies. We'll be tweeting during the show, so please join the conversation at Lang Strategies. Our show will focus on leadership strategies, successful business strategies, mentoring, economic impact of certain industries, and regulatory impact on business with guests who have a variety of opinions, and sometimes those opinions are opposing, but that's all for good conversation. Our objective is to be thought-provoking and provide insights you, our listener, may not have heard before. And from time to time, I will offer my own opinion on these topics. In between our shows, you can always reach me at bblang at langstrategies.com. And you can also learn more about us at langstrategies.com. I apologize today for my voice. I'm a little bit hoarse, so let's hope it'll last uh, throughout the hour. Today, our show focuses on the business of sports. And we have as great guests today... Um, Mayor Vincent C. Gray, the former mayor of Washington and a lifelong public servant and softball player, as I recall. Don Shoemaker, the executive director of the National Association of Sports Commissions. And I think Mike uh, Abramson will be joining us on the show. He is the assistant general manager of the Hartford Yard Goats. Uh, an affiliate of the Colorado Rockies. So, gentlemen, uh, welcome. Delighted uh, to have you today. Thank you. We have seen it before, brand new stadiums and glistening arenas built in downtown areas or other urban neighborhoods, once considered very dormant. The idea of increased foot traffic, new restaurants and clubs, coffee shops, Mixed-use development with retail and residential units and a particular area becoming a, a focal point, a destination, if you will, for thousands of people on a uh, variety of areas and on a nightly basis. So how do sports teams and whether these venues that they call home, do they really spark the economic growth and impact that developers and politicians alike sell to the community and general public. 
Today, we are going to discuss this topic with some experts who can give us uh, some answers. So, I am going to start with Mayor Gray. Well, Barbara, I think we have some some wonderful examples uh, here in Washington of how uh, despite controversy in both instances, we've, we've got a couple of instances of how uh, building a stadium or building an arena has been a tremendous catalyst uh, for business. Uh, let me start with the Verizon Center, uh, which is now about 20 years old. Uh, it was built in, in downtown Washington uh, in an area that was blighted. In fact, uh, it was just crime uh People didn't even want to go into that area of downtown anymore. The uh, 7th Street, uh, F Street, uh, 6th Street uh, corridor, which was uh, many years ago a part of the core of downtown Washington and, and had really fallen into disfavor and uh, disrepair. We have uh, we had basketball team and hockey team, uh, then called the Washington Bullets and the Washington Caps hockey team, which were playing in uh, Maryland, in Landover, Maryland. And uh, the then owner, uh, Abe Poland, who was a native Washingtonian himself, decided that he wanted to bring the team back, uh, both teams, back to the city. And um, actually, after a lot of discussion and negotiations, decided to invest his own money. The city put up the land, which is a, a good way to go. The city's investment was the land. But Poland himself actually invested in the construction of what today is known as the Verizon Center, initially known as the MCI uh, Center. And the catalytic effect uh, on downtown Washington is absolutely phenomenal. Uh, it is now a thriving uh, area with lots of restaurants, lots of retail. Uh, just go down on any night when there is a game, either a hockey game or a uh, basketball game, uh, which could include our Mystics, which is the ladies' uh, basketball uh, team. And it's just people uh, everywhere, people who are uh, you know, going out for dinner, going to a game. And some people would just go downtown, uh, frankly, to be a part of the, uh, the activity uh, so, of downtown. So it's a great example of a renaissance uh, of a downtown area. And, and of a community. And since I live here and our office is here, I certainly, uh, and my previous office was right in the middle uh, of that, all of that activity. And uh, right. you're right, when there was a game, you was hard pressed to walk out of the office and certainly couldn't find a, a, a parking space. So from your perspective, that's a project that really did a lot for a part of our city that um, 20 years ago uh, had lots of other kinds of activity going on in the city. It, it really was, Barbara, I mean, not the kind of activity that a city uh, would like to have. And one of the wonderful things, too, is that the uh, arena, uh, the Verizon Center, has been built right above uh, the uh, subway, the metro uh, system, so that you really don't have a lot of cars uh, in downtown when people go to the games. It's the, the arena seats about eighteen, almost 19,000 people. Uh, but so many people uh, just simply get on the metro, uh, come from the surrounding area, come from parts of D.C., get off and go right into the stadium. And when the games are over, they get right onto the metro and go back to wherever their destination is. So we haven't had all the traffic concerns and traffic backups and traffic snarls that often are associated with uh, stadiums and uh, arenas. So this is a, it's a wonderful example, frankly, of 
um, what a professional sports endeavor can do uh, for uh, a city. In this case, three teams, uh, the, the, the now Washington Wizards, the Washington Caps, and the Washington Mystics. And there's just one uh, example because we've got the baseball stadium that's been built. Uh, our team is doing very well at this stage, and what a tremendous impact building that stadium has had on economic uh, development in an area that is very blighted. Absolutely, and and uh, we're we're delighted to see all of that. You know, we're we're also pleased to have the National Association of Sports Commissions represented on the on the air today, represented by Don Schumacher. Don, what has been the economic impact of sports to municipalities around the country that your organization has tracked? Well, it's been significant, Barbara, uh, and uh, certainly it's a pleasure to be on with Mayor Gray. Uh, it takes public-spirited people like uh, the mayor to uh, work with private uh, the private sector to make these things happen over time. Uh, it's very difficult to measure an overall economic impact of uh, the many stadia that have been built in the United States in the last 20, 30, even 40 years, but... I think uh, there's some uh, there's some characteristics of a successful development that uh, are very common. Uh, one of them is, and it, it it certainly applies to the Verizon Center, and it certainly applies here in Cincinnati. Uh, the location is all important, and uh, generally there's going to be much more impact of a development if it takes place in a center city. Uh, Washington did that. Cincinnati has done that. The Cincinnati Reds and the Cincinnati Bengals both play in relatively new stadiums on the Ohio River, and between them uh, has sprung up a development we call the Banks, which has put retail and it has put restaurants and bars and housing units, a very substantial number of apartments and townhomes, on the river uh, to create a community that hadn't existed before in Cincinnati, which is good for business and it's good for the community. I think one of the things that is most significant about all this, and <laughs> I'm a lifelong member of the private sector. I've never uh, been in public service, and I, I must say about the private sector, uh, there's a story going around or a, a saying going around, owners of sports teams want two things. They want new new facilities and somebody else to pay for it. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> there's been a lot of that over the years, I'm afraid, uh, uh, where where uh, the developers and team owners have uh, done a lot of things. They've threatened to leave, and they've uh, they have left, and uh, others have come in their place, and uh, there's been quite a lot of turmoil. But I think we can all agree that uh, whether it is an increase in the quality of life for the people that live in the area, or it also brings substantial economic benefit, uh, these stadiums and arenas can be of tremendous benefit to a community. Absolutely. As you uh, work with, um, I guess, members of your organization, is there any particular advice that as they go through this process of looking uh, to bring in a new arena, a new stadium, uh, is there any particular advice that you give? Yes, uh, I, 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 and, and I'm sorry if I, I uh, started too soon there, uh, Mayor, but uh, uh, there is advice we give, uh, and it's, it's, there's got to be a balance between quality of life and economic benefit. 
uh, some projects have very, very, very little economic benefit. Uh, minor league arenas, minor league ballparks have much less economic benefit to a community. The reason being they're entertaining residents of the area. Uh, people are not traveling any distance and they're not staying overnight in hotels in general to go to minor league sports. They do to certain major league sports, however. And so it's important when any community takes a look at new facility development that they do a fair job of analyzing, is this a quality of life issue? Uh, for example, Dayton, Ohio, build a minor league ballpark in downtown, and I've just said they don't have much economic benefit. Well, if you really think about it, that's true. But what has happened in downtown Dayton is it has done what the Verizon Center has done. It's given rebirth to a moribund downtown. They have sold out every baseball game since the franchise started playing 12 years ago. The people people that are going to the games live in greater Dayton, so there isn't much new economic benefit in terms of new dollars coming into the community, but there's an astonishing benefit in terms of, of rebirth to the downtown. Well, that that is just an interesting, interesting perspective, and we want to explore this discussion even more. Uh, we're now going to take a quick break. Uh, we have to pay for things. Uh, stay with us as we continue our discussion with Mayor Vincent Gray and Don Schumacher. Thank you. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Lang Strategies is the leader in providing businesses and nonprofits with insight on business development, operational excellence, political strategy, tactical planning, marketing communications, leadership management, and cultural transition services for international businesses. Each member of our team is an expert in their respective field, and each of them are dedicated to serving in the best interests of our diverse client base. Our business is to define our clients' needs and create a customized plan to exceed their goals and objectives. We compete aggressively and successfully for our clients' respect and trust. We also care deeply about the communities we serve, and our expertise in civic and grassroots campaigns serves our clients well on a variety of issues. We appreciate the faith, support, dedication, and investment of our clients and community in Lang Strategies, and we look forward to a successful and sustainable partnership. For more information or to put Lang Strategies to work for your organization, visit us on the web at langstrategies.com. That's langstrategies.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Insights and Strategies. To reach Barbara Lang or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to bboyer at langstrategies.com if you have any questions or comments about the program. Now, back to Insights and Strategies. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome back. 
uh, we are glad you stayed with us and we want to continue this conversation with Mayor Vincent Gray and Don Schumacher talking about the business of sports. So, gentlemen, uh, let's continue a little bit about that discussion. I think, Don, you brought it off, and when we were off the break, you all were having this great conversation, and I asked you to hold it till we got back on the air, <laughs> but, but about the community engagement and uh, how, um, uh, you know, the value, the economic um, uh, viability, particularly of minor league teams, and so, Don, I think you made the comment that that is usually a lot more challenging. And one of the things that I wanted to ask Mike Abramson, and I understand that trying, they're still trying to get him, because I know that Hartford is in the process of building uh, or trying to get a minor league state, uh, stadium. But why don't you talk a little bit about what you, you are, and then I want Mayor Gray to chime in about how do you engage the community, because I think that is so critically important. Sure, be happy to. Uh, I, I I was suggesting that uh, uh, in uh, it's it's important to differentiate in any new project between the level of uh, it, uh, the relative importance. Let's put it that way of quality of life and improving quality of life for the residents of the region versus generation of new economic impact. A new economic impact is requ- requires new dollars to be spent in the community. And in general, minor league baseball, hockey, football, and so forth franchises are local community entertainment options. And so it would be somewhat disingenuous of promoters of those kinds of facilities, in my view anyway, to lean too heavily on the economic impact that they that the project's going to produce, because there's enough, I think, and I think many communities have found this, and I dare say Hartford will find the same thing. There is enough on the quality of life issue to excuse away these projects taking place, because there is an esprit de corps that comes up as a result of new facility development. And I think, Mayor, you've got some comments on that. No, you're absolutely right. Uh, in fact, that was one of the comments I wanted to make, the, the impact of morale uh, on a community. When you have uh, new facilities and you have new teams, uh, you know, new efforts around uh, the existing teams that uh, emanate uh, from this. We, we've seen it with baseball, especially in Washington. And um, I, I want to commend again Cincinnati for what it's done. I was in Cincinnati a year ago. And it was phenomenal what's happened with the uh, facilities uh, there and the impact that it's exerted. We we actually are uniquely uh, in, in a unique situation here in Washington. We're we're the only city in history of baseball that has lost not one but two uh, professional baseball teams. Washington had the uh, Washington Senators that moved to Minnesota, which is now the Minnesota Twins. And then about 10 years later, they got the city got another team, uh, Washington team, that wasn't didn't do very well, and they moved to Arlington. Uh, now they're the, uh, the Texas Rangers. So we went, this city went 30 years without a team and uh, finally was successful in getting a team. And this is where it's so important, uh, the, the owner's role is so important, because you're absolutely right that, uh, Mr. Schumacher, when you mentioned earlier about 
uh, owners want others to pay uh, for the facilities. Now, this is a case where um, the city invested a lot of money in a brand-new stadium. But the role of the owner is so important in making sure that the product that they put on the court or put on the field is worthy of people's attention. Uh, one of the reason why, reasons why the uh, Washington lost not one but two baseball teams is because the team was, was poor. Uh, they used to have a saying around here many years ago that uh, Washington was first in war, first in peace, and last in the American League. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, and the fact is we're in the, we're in the National League uh, now. The team is doing very well, and there's been big investments that have been made uh, in making sure that we have a team uh, that is playing uh, representing Washington, that is worthy. We have probably, you know, I think an argument could be made that we probably have the the most, uh, you know, uh, prominent rising star in baseball at this stage, and Dwight Harper. Yes. And you look, you you look at the people walking around with Harper shirts on. You look at this guy; he's hitting home runs uh, every other day. Or they're walking him intentionally. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. That's That's right. (laughs) That's right. You can expect that now to go on forever. Uh, Absolutely. When they put it across the plate, he's likely to knock it out of the park. Yeah, yeah. I I think our third guest has joined us. Uh, Mike Abramson, are you on the line? Yeah, I sure am. Thank you, uh, and thank you for your patience. We're delighted to have you join us, and I want to, you know, tie you into this discussion uh, about um, the new stadium, the cost, and and maybe my first question to you is, because you're going through this process right now, is how are you engaging the community in which you live as you try this new stadium deal? Sure. Well, it's it's not something we're just now doing. It's something uh, we started doing um, when this conversation and this process began a couple of years back. Uh, Minor league sports are incredibly heavily dependent on the community and community groups and organizations um, to fill up the park. You know, minor league baseball doesn't have the benefit that major league baseball has and that if you have a strong team, people will come out. In minor league sports, you've got to compel them to come out. Um, you're always going to have a base if you do a great job, uh, you serve good food and you put on a good show uh, and you have a nice facility, uh, but you really need to compel people to come out in a way that's different than the major leagues when you have a quality team with stars that's winning. Um, and really the core way that you do that is you connect with all of the youth groups and the community groups throughout the area um, and you work with them on getting the different groups out to the ballpark and um, helping their organizations raise money and raise funds um, and really try and um, raise the visibility of the things that they're trying to do, um, and then it's mutually beneficial. So we're out there. We're meeting with folks every single day. We're planning outings and fundraisers for them at our ballpark, um, and that's what we'll just continue to do. And, and those folks are the ones who are going to be sitting in the seats, and um, they're going to be spreading the message for us the same way we'll be spreading the message for them. Well, excellent. You know, um Maya Gray, you have, uh, during your four years as chair of the city council, uh, four years as mayor, 
um, you've seen this economic renaissance that's happened, and certainly sports has been a catalyst for this. And if they weren't completed during your terms in office, uh, you got the legislation passed or where projects are underway. So I'm going to name a few um, projects, and I may have left out one or two, but in my my uh, term as, as head of the Chamber of Commerce in D.C., I was involved in uh, many of them. So there's the Nat Stadium, okay. uh, which, as I recall, was an $800 million uh, investment. There is certainly the Verizon Center that you talked about earlier, which was really the catalyst for redevelopment of Chinatown. There is the D.C. United Soccer Stadium, not, not right. yet finished. There is the Washington Wizards Training Facility and will be the home for the Miss as well. That's not done yet, but has been approved. There's the Southeast Tennyson Learning Center, and I'll ask you more about that a little bit later. And there's certainly the Castles Tennis Stadium. Is there any one of these projects that stand out to you for the positive impact to the city, either now or in the future? Well, again, not to be redundant, but certainly the Verizon Center uh, has been a, a tremendous catalyst for the rejuvenation of downtown uh, Washington. Now, the baseball stadium, uh, there was enormous controversy, as I'm sure many of you all will remember, uh, around whether there should be an investment you know, by the city, whether it made sense, whether it was likely to, to, to make any money. Uh, it was, and, and frankly, it was a huge controversy within the legislative body. When I came on to the city council, that was the big controversy, whether the city should invest uh, or whether the, the team owners, you know, should pay for the stadium. And, of course, frankly, I don't think the city would have gotten a team had the city not invested uh, its money in building, um, you know, in building the stadium. One of the arguments that's, that was made, and I think is really um, it has come to fruition, is what could happen to the area surrounding where the baseball stadium is. And one need only go there and look at the tremendous development uh, that's taking place uh, around the uh, Nationals baseball stadium. In fact, it is so successful, it led us to be able to, uh, when, when we started the, the effort to put in a soccer stadium, the soccer stadium really is only a, a couple hundred yards away from uh, the baseball stadium so that they can share parking facilities and the other now uh, economic development uh, investments that are being made uh, around uh, that area. Housing is developing there. So it, it is a wonderful case study, in my opinion, of those who would suggest that investing in stadia is, 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 uh, is not a good proposition. It's a wonderful antidote uh, for that argument because the reality is that there's a tremendous uh, investment that's taking place there in housing, retail, uh, in areas in an area of the city that was absolutely blighted. That I think, but for this kind of investment, may never have had the uh, the kind of uh, return that we're starting to see. And it's again, humble. I go back to the point I was making earlier. Now you got to have good teams. DC United has been here for a while, playing in an old stadium. They've done very well as a team uh, historically. And the Nationals. This is the best Washington baseball team we've ever had in the history of baseball in the city. 
Well, you know, and that the uh, wedding is very good. And, of course, the view on the water uh, where the stadium mm-hmm. is is also absolutely spectacular. And I'll have to just remind you, I have one or two body scars all left on me from all the fights on uh, on the <laughs> baseball stadium and whether the right. business would be taxed or not. And as it turns out, we did step up to the plate to do that uh, yep. to help finance that stadium. So it was an interesting time. It is now time to take another break. Uh, We are going to come back uh, where we're going to continue this robust discussion on the business of sports. Stay tuned. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Lang Strategies is the leader in providing businesses and nonprofits with insight on business development, operational excellence, political strategy, tactical planning, marketing communications, leadership management, and cultural transition services for international businesses. Each member of our team is an expert in their respective field, and each of them are dedicated to serving in the best interests of our diverse client base. Our business is to define our clients' needs and create a customized plan plan to exceed their goals and objectives. We compete aggressively and successfully for our clients' respect and trust. We also care deeply about the communities we serve, and our expertise in civic and grassroots campaigns serves our clients well on a variety of issues. We appreciate the faith, support, dedication, and investment of our clients and community in Lang Strategies, and we look forward to a successful and sustainable partnership. For more information or to put Lang Strategies Strategies to work for your organization, visit us on the web at langstrategies.com. That's langstrategies.com. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You are listening to Insights and Strategies. To reach Barbara Lang or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to bboyer at langstrategies.com if you have any questions or comments about the program. Now, back to Insights and Strategies. Welcome back. I'm glad you stayed with us for the next segment. Uh, we have still so much to cover, and even during the commercial break, break, there's lots of discussion going on that I want to make sure that we get uh, on the air. We are pleased to have Mayor Vincent Gray, Don Schumacher, and Mike Adam Abramson. Uh, welcome back, gentlemen. Um, you know, Mike, we talked before you got on the air a little bit about the cost of public funding for new stadiums, and I'm not sure at what point whether you heard some of that discussion or not. I know that the Hartford Goats is going through that process right now, and I guess maybe we'll tell you, how's it going? Can you tell us um, kind of the experiences you're having and uh, uh, what's, the, what's the prognosis for the future? 
Sure. Well, well, it really is a process that we had already gone through. Um, our situation is a little bit unique in that uh, the city of Hartford uh, is building the ballpark uh, as municipality. Uh, they're dealing directly with a developer who is building it for them. Um, and then we as an organization have agreed to rent that facility for 25 years once it is completed. Um, so all of the finances were settled some time ago. The money was bonded. Um, and now they've been building it. Uh, the ballpark is almost finished. It's opening a little bit late. Uh, construction ran a bit behind. Um, but the financial process, process of that has uh, been seen through, uh, not without a couple of hiccups here and there. Um, and we're just waiting to get in there and actually play the game. So we weren't directly involved with the finances of it, again, because we've committed to the city. The city has a developer to build the ballpark for them. Um, but that was uh, all sort of finalized uh, quite some time ago. So will that be a city-owned stadium? It will be. It will be a city-owned. Is naming rights, or do you have that uh, ability, is naming rights a financial benefit for you all? It sure is, yeah. I'm very proud to say that um, we brought Dunkin' Donuts on board as the naming rights sponsor of the ballpark. Uh, So the ballpark is called Dunkin' Donuts Park. Um, And that was a really big win for us, uh, not only because they're a a very reputable big national sponsor uh, or national brand, um, but additionally because their brand is vibrant, it's fun, it's colorful, it's energetic, and and that was the way we wanted people to view us. So um, we do have an agreement um, by which the city gets uh, a split of that naming rights agreement as well. Um, Sounds like it was really tastefully done, too. Yeah, yeah. And so you've got all the public support that you need for the project, and that means going out in the community and really engaging uh, the community. It does, and and it wasn't it wasn't a cakewalk. Um, you know, I everything that that we're going through and that we've done, I'm sure, is on a much um, smaller scale than the mayor experienced in D.C. Um, but it's not completely dissimilar. You know, there there are a lot of folks. Uh, economic development is a really tricky concept, and, and in a lot of ways, it's, it's tough to mark. And people really like black and white and they like numbers that add up in a concise way that it makes it simple to say yes or no. But economic development just doesn't work that way. Um, so for us on a smaller scale, um, we've really had to endear ourselves to the community. And our situation is funny because we were only 13 miles down the road uh, in a city nearby playing under a different name and a different venue. But for all intents and purposes, it's almost as if we moved to a different state. There wasn't a lot of um, support from the folks directly here in terms of attendance, certainly not in terms of sponsorship at the old ballpark. Um, so when we came in, so many so many businesses and individuals here really viewed it as a completely new thing. And we had to go out and show them that we, we really are committed to the area, that we really do want to be a good community partner and a good corporate citizen. And I'm proud to say I think we've done that. People are really on board here. Almost every restaurant and venue in downtown Hartford has a yard goes uh, banner or um, pennant or a baseball in the window. And everybody's just excited to start playing some baseball. So one additional question. So how did you or have you incorporated workforce development for your community in the deal, ensuring that, you know, a majority of the jobs go to the local residents? It was part of the lease uh, that, that a certain percentage of the job 
uh, would go to local residents. Um, so that was something that was really pretty intentionally thought out early on in our process. Um, we had uh, a job fair some time back. Uh, we were expecting about four or 500 people to show up for the job fair, and we had 1,500 people showed up. Um, and we went into uh, an, area of, uh, an area of Hartford that's a little bit more challenged economically. Um, and, and I'm very proud to say we really did a great job with, with the fair because we brought out all of the folks in our organization. Every single person who came out that day, in addition to filling out an application, met with somebody for a minimum five-minute interview. So everybody got FaceTime. Um, and now we've gone through a couple of months of, of sort of going through all of those folks and figuring out who, you know, the three, four hundred that we need to hire immediately are going to be and having second and third interviews. Um, we are going to far exceed the percentages that were requested for Harper residents to work at the ballpark. It's going to be a much higher percentage than, than they had uh, requested as a minimum. Oh, that's that's excellent. Mayor Gray, I assume, knowing you the way I do, uh, that this was an important component of the deals made under your chairmanship of the legislature or and or the uh, under your administration as mayor. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, it absolutely was, Bob. You're absolutely right about that. Uh, frankly, if if in building these facilities we don't ensure that the jobs, the construction jobs, and then the jobs that uh, emanate from the uh, the teams being there don't go to local residents, we really missed an opportunity. And uh, that's exactly what we did uh, when we uh, when the city built the Verizon Center many years ago, 20 years ago now. That was a very important component uh, of it. And frankly, in the baseball stadium, it's a very important component of it. And, and for the soccer stadium, um, I worked very closely with, with the building trades uh, in uh, the District of Columbia to make sure that they had a role uh, with their uh, various and sundry trades uh, that would be necessary to constructing the uh, stadium, that we were generating people, training for people, and then generating the opportunities uh, to build these uh, facilities uh, so that folks would walk away feeling like they had an investment uh, in the facility. But they also had a job that was, was well-paying, had good benefits associated with it, and then would have a tremendous resume builder. You know, if you talk about somebody who's been involved in building a, an arena or building a stadium, uh, these these are uh, folks who are in big demand uh, afterwards, not only to build facilities like that, but also for housing facilities uh, and other uh, office buildings that are being built uh, in the city. So a lot of the people who we were able to engage uh, in the construction of the stadium and the arena are now people who are in big demand for other jobs uh, in the city. When I came into office as mayor, uh, Barbara, you'll probably remember this, we had uh, huge, uh, hugely high unemployment. And uh, not that we had one solution, but in, in the course of, uh, you know, trying to find an answer to unemployment in the city, it was engaging people who had those kind of skills uh, in, in work in the city. And frankly, in some areas of the city, we, we had one, one area of the city, Ward 8, where the unemployment rate was 26%, which was the highest in the nation uh, based on the data we looked at. And while we haven't brought it down completely at this stage, it has come down 10 percentage points, which is a huge drop. 
Same thing with an uh, area adjacent uh, to Ward 8. We brought the unemployment rate down tremendously. And the overall city unemployment has come down as well. And while there's no one answer to that, a big part of it was being able to get people engaged with these uh, these uh, sports uh, activities, the building of these facilities, the maintenance of these facilities, the vending opportunities that go on uh, at the, uh, the various arenas and stadia, and making sure that these are local folks who get these opportunities. That's a great morale booster for people who feel like their business in particular has had a chance to have the door open for them. Right. And these are great uh, entry-level positions. As I recall, and I may get this wrong, there was something you initiated called One Job, One Hire. What what was that again? Yeah. And, and and I'm sure the sports teams were part of the recruiting process. If you asking businesses, in fact, the kickoff was held at the Chamber's offices, and we partnered with you on that. But it was to get, just have every employer just commit to taking one person. Yep, it's one city, one hire. So your you. uh, your representation of it is pretty close to right, Barbara. And <laughs> you got the concept right on the money. Uh, the idea was to help combat unemployment uh, in the city, and it's a very simple concept. We were saying to businesses in the city, if you have an opening, you know that you know, occurs, or you are a new business that's starting up, give us the chance to work with you uh, to be able to put somebody who may be out of a job right now, who needs a job, into that position. And over a four-year period, we worked with over 1,200 employers and got 11,500 people jobs. It was a big factor bringing down uh, unemployment uh, in the city. And again, uh, it was opening these doors, these entry-level job opportunities that exist for some of these uh, sports uh, opportunities, and uh, giving people a chance to move forward with their life. Excellent. You know, Don, is this something that your organization advises uh, your members to do, uh, the workforce component? Well, our organization doesn't directly do that because of the nature of of the association. But uh, in my role as executive director of the National Association of Sports Commissions, I'm traveling the country all year long. And I'm looking at arena and stadium developments on the major and minor league level all over the country. And I can tell you, I can assure you and our listeners that it is now generally the case, which sadly was not the case some time back, that these projects are designed not only to benefit people in an entertainment way, but to benefit the community from jobs. Uh, too little attention was paid to that, I fear, uh, going back 20, 30 years with some of the older uh, stadium development projects. Fortunately, now we're getting a little bit wiser and we're getting to realize that there are people that can not only do the job, but the result of doing that job, as the mayor suggested, prepares them for another project and another job. And uh, yes, that it is generally true across the country now that you're seeing significant percentages of local labor. Right, exactly. Uh, Well, we're going to stop right now, take another break, and uh, we will come back on the other end for the final segment of today's show where we will continue the discussion on the business of sports. Stay tuned.
friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Lang Strategies is the leader in providing businesses and nonprofits with insight on business development, operational excellence, political strategy, tactical planning, marketing communications, leadership management, and cultural transition services for international businesses. Each member of our team is an expert in their respective field, and each of them are dedicated to serving in the best interests of our diverse client base. Our business is to define our clients' needs and create a customized plan to exceed their goals and objectives. We compete aggressively and successfully for our clients' respect and trust. We also care deeply about the communities we serve, and our expertise in civic and grassroots campaigns serves our clients well on a variety of issues. We appreciate the faith, support, dedication, and investment of our clients and community in Lang Strategies, and we look forward to a successful and sustainable partnership. For more information or to put Lang Strategies Strategies to work for your organization, visit us on the web at langstrategies.com. That's langstrategies.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Insights and Strategies. To reach Barbara Lang or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to bboyer at langstrategies.com if you have any questions or comments about the program. Now, back to Insights and Strategies. Well, welcome back to our final segment of today's show on the business of sports. And we will continue this conversation with Vincent C. Gray, the former mayor of the District of Columbia, Don Schumacher, the executive director of the National Association of Sports Commissions, and Mike Abramson, the assistant general manager of the Hartford Yard Goats uh, at the AA affiliate of the Colorado Rocky. So, gentlemen, let's go get going again. Um, one question that I had, and you triggered that um, uh, my my thought. Uh, Don, tell us a little bit about what your organization does and how you interact with the sports commissions uh, around the country. Sure. Uh, the National Association of Sports Commissions represents two basic constituencies. The first constituency are all of the host organizations throughout the United States, including Washington and Hartford, uh, and all the other cities that have an organization like a sports commission or a convention and visitors bureau that are working to bring uh, sports events into the community uh, and the resulting visitor spending which results in an increase in taxes paid and an increase in economic benefit to the community. Uh, we also represent a very large number of the people who own the events in the United States, organizations like the Olympic Committee, the National Collegiate Athletic Association, the Amateur Athletic Union, and, and dozens and dozens and dozens of other organizations uh, who actually own these events. And our job 
is to promulgate best practices on both sides of the table. Uh, what do cities need to know to do a good job of bidding on events, and what do the event owners need to know about what the city's needs are in order to make a partnership that will produce a great event, a great experience for the athletes, parents, family, friends, and also economic benefit for the host community. Excellent, excellent. So, you know, we have a D.C. Sports Commission, so I assume that you have some interaction with them. You bet. Okay, okay. Same with Hartford. Very good. Wonderful. So, you know, we talked offline a little bit about um, higher ed and sports. And one of the things we have seen over the years is the growing competitiveness of our college sports activities, particularly football and basketball. And I I think this is a question for all three of you. Uh, And Mike, maybe we'll start with you. What from your vantage point, do you see the financial impact to that college or university and then to the city or state in which the university is located? Sure. Well, I, you know, as you mentioned, we talked offline. Um, There's a lot of money in universities and colleges going to college athletics right now. Um, And I think that folks are so keyed in on that because sports just, brings about so much passion, and I think everybody knows that um, if you have a program that really inspires young people and makes them feel passionate about that sports program, they're going to want to be a part of that thing and go to that school. That puts you in a position to compete for um, better students and more students and an opportunity to um, raise tuition a little bit more simply if and when needed. Um, so I kind of get why there's so much money going into sports and trying to raise the profile of these things. Um, to the degree it goes back uh, into the area uh, that the college university is in, I'm really not sure. Um, colleges and universities have a tremendous amount of overhead. I personally think that it's something, I think that we're really going to see colleges and universities change a lot over the next decade or two as people become more comfortable with online classes and um, there's a, a sense of a little bit less of a return of investment on a four-year degree. Um, but I digress. Um, so I understand why they do that and I understand why it's prolific. I think one of the things that's a little bit unfortunate is the dollars continue to go into those sports programs and those sports programs bring in more more ticket revenue and more sponsorship revenue. You see more and more programs partnering with third-party vendors to run those, your IMGs, your Learfield, and they're taking half of that money for their services. Um, so it's a little bit, they're kind of giving away some of the benefit that you should be getting additionally for raising the profile of that program to begin with. Interesting. So is it too much? Is there too much emphasis on it? I'm not really in a position to say. It's a lot, (laughs) but again, everybody's competing for the best students right now. Right, right. Don, what about your your perspective? And then I will go to, to Mayor Gray. Well, I think that uh, I, I want to second all of Mike's thoughts about the passion that sports uh, builds and the wonderful support and 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 the way it it can energize communities and college communities. But uh, I think it's really helpful. For, uh, hope uh, it's just a good idea. I'm going to rephrase it this way: it's just a good idea for those of us that are deeply involved in the sports industry to keep in mind the fact that there are other aspects of life that are equally important. And about the time we discover 
uh, or if we begin to discover that the increased expenditures on college sports venues and college teams and so forth are part of the reason why student loans are as high as they are at the end of the student's time in in, uh, higher education, Uh, we may find ourselves in a bit of an issue. Uh, There is a a well-known football coach in the southern part of the United States who's making $8 million a year now. I don't begrudge him the money he makes, and I understand that a lot of that money is raised uh, by the business community, but I would suggest to you that insofar as we spend that kind of money on sport, that money is not available for other community purposes. Right, right. And also for the the other part of the academic agenda. Um, Mm -hmm. Mr. Mayor, do you have some commentary on this subject? Yeah, I do, Barbara, and and, uh, I'm a... a a big follower of, uh, of athletics at the uh, collegiate level. And <clears throat> one of the concerns I have now is that to an increasing extent, especially in basketball, we're seeing young people who come in, these, these uh, you know, super athletes who are coming in and tend to stay only a year or two. Uh, you know, I just saw this happen at the University of Maryland where uh, this young man who was recruited from Milwaukee, a great basketball player, Diamond Stone, uh, who came in and played for one year at the University of Maryland and now has already declared himself for the uh, draft uh, for the National Basketball Association. And it is increasingly rare where um, athletes uh, at that level are staying, you know, long enough to get a, a degree. It's, 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 it's a shame in some respects because that means we've kind of lost the reason why these young people were getting scholarships in the first place. That now it's just... You know, come and play for us for a year or two, and we'll help you. You know, uh, get make your game better, and then you'll be able to make millions of dollars by being drafted. And you know, that happens for some people, and it doesn't happen for a lot of them. Uh, some of them actually declare themselves for the draft, don't get drafted, or get drafted, and then don't make the team. And uh, they really are in a quandary because they don't have the benefit of a, of an educational degree degree that they otherwise might have gotten. They don't have the connection to all this money they thought they were going to make as a result of being drafted into, uh, you know, into a professional team, and they wind up being lost. You know, the, the, the number of kids who don't get focused on, who wind up at age 23 or 24 or 25, um, having that dream, you know, going down the tubes, is far more than we may realize. So I think we've got to step back and do an assessment, uh, Barbara, of, uh, what what do we expect uh, of these athletes at this stage? If we sell them on coming to a university, are they being sold also on, sold on the academic qualities that are associated with the university and the opportunity to get a degree? I don't want that to become passe. I want them to come to a university to be great athletes, but also to be great students. And and you have they've got to have some other skills. Uh, this has been interesting. Thank you all very much. We have to leave it there. Uh, thank you all for joining us today. The impact on sports on business is an extremely important topic, and we were pleased to share the airways today with our insightful guests, former Mayor Vincent C. Gray, Don Schumacher, and Mike Abramson. Um, and Mr. Mayor, let me just say that I know that you have a special date coming up on June 14th, DC's Indeed. primary. We need you back in public service, so all the best to you, my friend. Thank you very much, Barbara. Thanks for having me today, and thanks okay. to the gentlemen who were with us. 
Thank you. And to our listeners, as always, people are divided into three groups. Some people make things happen. Some people watch things happen. Others wonder what happened. What group are you? You have been listening to Insights and Strategies. I am pleased to be your host, Barbara Lang, Managing Principal and CEO of Lang Strategies here in the nation's capital. We hope you will join us for next week's show when we will discuss international business development and its economic impact to a community. Thank you and good day. For tuning in this week to Insights and Strategies. Remember to join your host, Barbara Lang, each Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time and 12 noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a great week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.